All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, your community. Thank you for your word. Um, I pray that you would bless this time. Uh, give us ears to hear what you would have us um, hear and, and hearts to receive. Um, soft hearts that would be impacted by you and your word. Bless this time. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So we are in our third week of Advent. Uh, and Advent is the period of time before Christmas in the church calendar where we, we look forward uh, to Christmas. And Rod talked about this two weeks ago, and Eric mentioned it last week again, that uh, it's, not, it, it's, we don't, it's not a preparation for the birth of Jesus because Jesus was already born and he died and, and was resurrected. It's this period of time we, we actually reflect on, on the coming of Jesus um, as, a, as a reminder that he's coming again, that he's promised to come again. Um, but we do look to Christmas. We look to the Christmas story. And I, I really love Christmas. And I love the candlelight service. It's really special to me. I love coming to the candlelight service and, and singing carols and, and getting my fingers burned by the hot wax as it drips down through the little cracks in the paper. And, um, but I'm, I'm not going to be there this year uh, because we are going to Indiana to visit my wife's family, um, which is going to be cold and fun. Um, and we're taking our gifts with us. And um, I also like receiving gifts for Christmas. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not telling you that you have to get me a gift for Christmas. But I do like receiving gift, gifts for Christmas. Um, but so I, I really like being married to my wife, too. Because uh, the, since I started dating my wife, and, and even more since I got married, uh, the quality of the gifts that I receive has gone up, like, exponentially. <laughs> it's amazing. And there's, there's a few different reasons for this, um, but the main reason for this is that I, I am not super connected to what I, to, to what I want all the time. Um, so if you come to me and you say, hey, let's go get lunch, where do you want to go get lunch? And I say, I have no idea. And I have to think about it, and I have to process it. Someone, I had a conversation recently about, about writing music, and, and why don't I record my music and, and, like, and, and put it online, and why, did, why is it just like here in, within the community? And, and I didn't have a good response right away. I know why. I just, in, in the moment, I didn't really have a clear response. And then like a couple days later, I, I had been thinking about it and processing it, and it, it's, it's that my, my music comes out of, of the community, out of, out of relationship with God within the community. I'm not always connected immediately with what I want. It's, it's, um, so when people ask me what I want for Christmas or my birthday, uh, I know that there are some really big things that I want. Like I want a new guitar. Hint, hint. I'm just kidding. But the guitar I want is, is no one's going to get that for me for Christmas. I'm going to have to save up money to get that for myself for Christmas. But the reason that my, my gifts have gone up, the, the quality of my gifts have gone up exponentially is not because 
my friends or my family don't give good gifts. It's because my wife listens to me. And she hears me when we're walking through REI and I say, ooh, I like those like travel hammocks that you hang up between two trees. Those are cool. I like those. And then two months later at Christmas, I open a gift from my sister and it's one of those travel hammocks. And it's amazing. But if you had asked me, hey, what do you want for Christmas? I'd have been like, oh, I don't know, a guitar? I'm not sure. But the gifts that I, I receive now are, 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 they are, they're obvious in that when I open the gift, I look at it and I go, oh, yes, I want, I wanted this. And, and I know that the, the place that this came from is, is out of this, this loving space that my, my wife sees me and, and hears me and, and logs it away, and she has the gift of giving, and it's amazing. But it's unexpected in that it comes from, it often this gift comes from someone else, and I'm, I'm not ready for it. I'm not expecting this gift. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting the, the hammock. Uh, because it never would have occurred to me to ask for it. So it's but the gifts I receive are they're obvious, and yet they're still unexpected. So I want to. The reason I'm talking about this is, uh, as some of you have probably picked up on, um, is that we are talking about the Magi today. Um, and the Magi bring Jesus gifts. Um, so let's read the passage again really quick. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he, had called, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the, peop- the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the, the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So 
So the first, the first people we're going to look at is, is the Magi in this story. So first of all, this is, we usually look at the Magi as, as uh, the three, three wise men. And I don't know if you noticed this, but it doesn't say three Magi. It just says the Magi. These, the Magi came. And I think the reason we think there were three is because they gave gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we think that each one gave one of those things because we can't conceive of multiple people giving more. We think if there was a fourth magi, it had to have been like, you know, the gift of silver or blankets or something. I saw a cartoon. I should have got, I should have put it up on the screen. I saw a cartoon this week. It said, after the three wise men came, the three wise women came. And it said, here's, uh, it said like, uh, diapers and formula and meals for the next week. <laughs> but there are, there are more than, so it's, it's not just three magi. Um, it also, the original, the Greek doesn't say, uh, I think it's Greek. It doesn't say, uh, from the east. So we actually don't really know where they came from. There's this idea that maybe, um, they were from Babylon and they, they had learned about about the Messiah from Daniel, just as a plug for our next sermon series. But we don't really know. But here's the thing, is that they, they're bringing these gifts. It's probably a whole group of people, a big, like, it's, it's a big group of people with, uh, it's a big traveling group of people. Man, I mean, a caravan, that's a good word. It's a big traveling caravan, and they bring these gifts. They're kingly gifts. These are gifts for a king. These aren't the the, the magi. They're not just like poor traveling people. They they're 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 rich. They're no they're noble. And so when they come into Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem is disturbed. And what I think about when I think about this is like my sister in law works at a museum in, where does she work? The National, National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C. And uh, when, when the president comes through, everything shuts down. Like, she can't go anywhere because everything is shut down and when, he's, when he goes through on, in, like, the car, right? Not in the helicopter. That's not as big a deal. But when it's in the car and people, it, everything shuts down. Um, Melania Trump came to the National Portrait Gallery one time and they shut down the whole thing while she was there. It's a it's it's dis, it's a it's a disruption. The whole town was disturbed. I mean that's what this is like. Here comes this giant caravan of these these rich nobles coming into Jerusalem going we want to talk to Herod. The whole city would have known about this. The second second person we have to talk about is Herod. Um, so it says that Herod was disturbed. This is King Herod, King Herod the Great. That's it. This is Herod the Great, which is like you know we think about like Alexander the Great, who was this conquered lands and la- all these lands. The reason we call Herod Herod the Great is because he was sort of the biggest deal of all the Herods, uh, not because he was the biggest deal of all the people in, in his land. He was just, 
you know, of all the, the people named Herod, this was Herod the Great. He was the big deal. He also wasn't really a king the way we think about a king. Um, he was a, a client king. Remember, what, last week we talked about the Roman emperor and, and the Roman empire. The land, this isn't like King Herod has his own little parcel inside of the Roman emperor, empire. This is, King Herod is, is a servant of the Roman emperor. And he's disturbed when these magi come for a lot of reasons. First of all, uh, first of all, because uh, the magi are going to are they're going to cause a disruption. They, they the the people in Jerusalem are disturbed. This you know if this gets any bigger, this is going to get back to the Roman emperor. Um, you know this is like this is like I I, I had a, a room to myself for some of my childhood. Most of the time I shared with like David or Stephen or Jane or Carolyn. All my, I shared a room with my, all of my siblings at one point or another. But at some, some point I had it in my own room and I could do what I wanted in my room to a certain extent because the room actually belonged to my parents. The house belonged to my parents. I had to do what my parents said. So if I brought a friend over and my friend trashed the whole room, my friend wasn't the one responsible for cleaning up that mess. It was me. And if I didn't clean up the mess, my parents would get upset with me. And that's kind of what it's like with King Herod. Is here come these magi. They're causing a disruption. The whole town is disturbed. And Herod's disturbed. And then they come to Herod and they're like, hey, we heard that there's a king that's going to be born. The Messiah, the way the Jewish people viewed the Messiah was that he was supposed to rise up against the Roman Empire. He was supposed to establish his throne and create, re, rebuild Israel as a, as a sovereign state. This is what the Messiah was going to do. And, and actually, there were several people over the years that, that did this, that said, I'm the Messiah, and people came to them, and they raised up arms, and then they were crushed by the Romans. So this is what Herod's, Herod's disturbed, partly because he doesn't want another king. He's worked hard to have his land that he's taken care of. And he doesn't want another king because he doesn't want someone raising up arms against the Romans because then he's going to get in trouble with Caesar Augustus. It's going to be his fault. And so Herod calls the chief priests to him. Chief priests and the teachers of the law. Now if we read on in the Gospels, all of these names are, are pretty familiar. There's chief priests and teachers of the law later on in Jesus' ministry. And there's actually a Herod later on, but not Herod the Great. Um, this is Herod Antipas. And when Jesus is crucified, he, before he's crucified, Pilate sends him to Herod. Um, but this is before that. All of those people have, have probably died by the time Jesus begins his ministry. But the chief priests come to Herod, and he's like, where will the Messiah be born? And they say, Bethlehem. 
And so then he calls the Magi to him in secret and says, hey, so the Magi, so he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Um, When you find him, come tell me. Which is kind of like if we had a town and I owned a steakhouse in the town and all of you came to my steakhouse. And then someone else came and said, hey, I heard they're building the best steakhouse in the world. Where would they build it? And I came to you guys and I said, where would they build a steakhouse if they built it in our town? You said Main Street. And then I went in secret to this person and said, hey, uh, they're going to build it on Main Street. When you find it, let me know so I can go eat there. But secretly, what I want to do is burn it down so none of you go eat there. That's kind of what this is like. Herod doesn't want the Messiah. He doesn't want the Messiah. The chief priests want the Messiah, but they have an idea of what the Messiah is going to do. The Messiah is going to rise up against the Romans. See, Jesus is... The way Jesus comes is obvious and unexpected. But not in the same way that that my gifts are obvious and unexpected. Kind of in an opposite way. Where the gifts that I get are obvious because they're things that I want, but they're unexpected because of the way that they arrive. Whereas Jesus was obvious in the way he arrived. He was born in Bethlehem. He was born to a virgin. He was of the line of David. All of these prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. But he was unexpected in that the things that he did, the way that he lived, the way that his ministry was going to look was so opposite to what everyone wanted, to what everyone expected, to what they thought Jesus was going to do. They wanted him to rise up, to defeat the Romans. They wanted to be free in this life. And Jesus, you know, Jesus, they they bring sick people to him, and instead of just healing them, he says, your sins are forgiven. And then he healed them, because he could. That's not what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to heal them. You know, the, the, the people brought swords to when Jesus was arrested because they thought he was going to rise up against the Romans. But he doesn't. And he goes quietly. And when he goes before Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great, Herod Antipas wants a miracle. He says, I wa- I'm so excited to meet Jesus because he's going to do a miracle. And he doesn't. He just stands there silent. And they ridicule him, mock him, and send him back to be crucified. He's obvious and unexpected. So how do we respond to that? Because we don't want to be disturbed. We don't want our lives disturbed by Jesus. I mean, really, Herod just wanted everything to be peaceful. He wanted everything to be calm. He wanted everything to be just how it was so he could rule his land and get as much power as he could and not have the Romans come and kill him. He just wanted, he wanted a, a peace, 
a certain kind of peace. And so when Jesus comes, he's disturbed. And he tries to kill the Messiah. The Messiah, the Savior. He tries to kill him. Because he didn't want that. Um, We have an idea of what Jesus is going to do in our lives. We have things that we want Jesus to do in our lives. I really want Jesus to give me a new guitar. I like, by the way, I like the guitar I have. It's a very wonderful guitar, and it's lots of fun. And I, none of you should buy me a guitar. But I want Jesus to give me a new guitar. He's not going to, I don't think. I don't know. Because the things that I want are often, they're, they're not aligned with the things that Jesus is going to do. Um, we have to stop um, we, we spend so much of our lives looking forward into what will be, what we want to be, what we hope, thing, the, way, the things that we hope Jesus will do. We want healing, um, but we discount the, the, the beautiful relationship that we gain um, in, in suffering with Jesus. Um, and that's not that longing for healing isn't a good thing. It's just that we forget about where, we're, where we are now, and we forget to look for where Jesus is working now because we're too busy looking at, looking forward. You know, Herod died like a year after Jesus was born. What Jesus was going to do as the Messiah had no impact on Herod's life on earth. But he was too busy trying to hold on to his power um, to see that the Messiah had come, the Savior had come, the one who was going to change everything. So what should we do? Should's a hard word. The Magi respond in worship. They bowed down and they worshipped him. The shepherds last week became the first heralds of the king. They ran around and told everybody the things that they had seen and the things that God had done. Mary, last week, took all of the stuff that had happened and and stored it up and, and meditated on it. These are the three things that we are called to. We are called to worship. We are called to worship God just because of who he is. The Magi didn't really know what Jesus was going to do. They had some idea from the prophecies, but obviously the chief priests knew the prophecies and they didn't know what Jesus was going to do. The Magi didn't know what he was going to do. They just worshipped him because he was the Messiah, because he was the king. We worship God because of who he is not because of the things that he will do or the things that he, not even the things that he has done. We just, we worship God because he is God. And the second thing that we do is we need to be like the shepherds where we need to be proclaiming the things that God has done. We need to run around in joy and in celebration of the things that God has done. We 
we need to change the way we narrate our lives. Because we narrate our lives through what we hope that God will do or what God hasn't done before. But what we're called to is to narrate our lives through what God has done. And we're called to meditate on those things, as, as Mary did. Chew on and meditate on the things that God has done in your life or in the lives of those around you. Remind yourselves of what God did for his people. Uh, so these are three ways to respond um, to the disruption that is Jesus in our lives. Um, we can worship and we can proclaim to each other the stories of what God has done and we can meditate on those things, on the, the good things that God has brought, um, even, in, even in the painful times, um, the ways that God has met us in pain and in struggle. Um, I think I probably have some time. I'm not sure. Yes. I have a little bit of time for response, pushback, questions. And if not, that's okay. All right. We do have time. Does anyone want to tell something that God has done in their lives? I just think like this is what we're reflecting on right now. Yeah. Yeah. talk about what that practically looks like okay i'm thinking about how i don't know just the really hard place of like wanting to do the should things but having a hard time and like what does that look like to cry out to god in that like not try to fix it yourself and like wait for god to do something but then also like we're invited to do stuff (laughs) so can you talk about that balance and what that looks like for you maybe i don't know yeah i mean the thing that i reflect on a lot is that David in the Psalms cries out about his situation, about where he's at. Um, but when he worships, he, he, it, it's a reminder of, of what God has done. You know, so he, he turns around and he says, you have, you have saved our people. You have promised to save us. You have like it. The response is not, um, so he's he's in a cave hiding and he's under attack and he's all these people are they're they're around him and attacking him, but his response is to say, "God, you have saved me, you have saved our people, you you are great and glorious and good." And um, he reflects on the character of God. And so I think that that's kind of we we focus a lot on on what we want God to do, um, and we lose sight of what God has done. And so reflecting on the things that God has done um, in our lives and the lives of those around us. Um, I mean, we, we play the tapes, right? We, we, play, we play these tapes that are, are 
I, God's not going to come through for me. God's going to, and it, it's, it's really about stopping those tapes and, and, and turning it over to God has done good things. God will do good things. Um, Um, so, yeah, what I'm getting from it is pretty much, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. What I'm getting from it is pretty much you're saying, I don't know, but what you're painting for me is, it's pretty simple, you know, everything that has happened, all the blessings you already, that, that's been provided for you, think about those when... I guess you're uh, facing hard times because he's came through for you before, so why would he not again? You know, you just got to be patient and and be in the now, in the present, and enjoy what's in front of you, I guess. Yeah. 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 And I think, like, even, even in the hard times, like, if the hard times keep going on, and it, it's about still not losing sight of God has done good things. Even if this thing never ends, um, even if it's something that goes on for the rest of my life, um, like God still is good and has done great things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just curious if you could comment on some of those specifics. Like, what are the good things God has done in your life and in the lives of other people? I think... One of the one of the things that's happened in my life is that um, I really wanted to be married, and I wanted to be in ministry. Um, and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to how to get that done, how to do those things. Um, even when I started coming to the village, I was still trying to figure out how to how to find a place where I could where I could be in ministry, how to how to find a, a wife, how to move towards those things. Um, and I was actually, I, I spent a lot of time very um, frustrated with where I was. Um, not realizing that, the, that my wife was going to church with me, my future wife was going to church with me, and that this was a good place for me to do ministry. Um, and God eventually hit me on the head and opened my eyes and allowed me to see those things. Um, but it was, I was discontented with being in, in Tucson and at the village because I wanted, I thought I knew what that looked like, what the things that I wanted looked like. Um, and it took God breaking me down um, for me to turn around and understand what he was doing. Should I turn it off? I might have turned it off. You turned it off. Sorry. Now it's on. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, uh, I keep being struck uh, in the story that Jesus doesn't rescue us the way we want him to or the way we think he should. And I think that's actually a big hang-up. Uh, and you see it throughout Scripture. But 
thinking all the ways I'm like, oh, I'm angry about blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I'm demanding that Jesus rescue me the way I think he should or the way I want him to or the way it feels like he says he's going to, but I try to control that. And it seems like the chief priests really tried to control that. And the Magi, like, <laughs> listened to God because they had a dream, and he, and then they didn't go that way. And I'm like, that's a really weird way to listen to God. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, I feel like some of the ways uh, God shows up in this story are really unexpected, like you were saying. And I think it takes faith to... Uh, not demand. So it, it, I guess it convicts me that I want to lay down the places I'm angry and worship God. Like I think a lot through singing and a lot through just reading scripture and like reading the Psalms and proclaiming like this is who God is, even if I don't feel like he's showing up for me the way I want him to. Yeah. Cool. Hannah. Thanks. Well, I love the picture you painted about running around celebrating what he has done. That feels like a really fun thing to step into as a community um, instead of running around doing other things. Um, and I think what I was thinking about, I'm, I'm having trouble finding this verse. Somebody could help me. It's, I feel like it's in First or Second Corinthians, but I was thinking about the verse that says, he has delivered us, he is delivering us and on him we set our hope he's going to continue to deliver us and I just um, I think in like where I find myself when I'm thinking okay I can think of things God has done and in my life big picture but I feel like in the moment there's a lot of things I'm asking him to do and waiting and I think the thing that I want to say in the midst of waiting for him to show up and deliver and do things is I think the thing I'm struck by is how that he's just really with me, that um, he might redeem and restore and do what I'm asking him to do this side of heaven, but even if it's not till the other side of heaven, that he's he's just with me in it. And that's what I think I want to say that he's done, is that he isn't abandoning me and he's right by my side. And Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus didn't come to save the people from the Romans. He came to save the people from their sin, from their brokenness. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, one more. And then we... I remember the time when God was inviting me to believe Psalm 23, that because... God's my shepherd, I don't lack anything. And that he's leading me through green meadows and by quiet waters. The time he asked me to believe that was the time after I fell, where I couldn't sit up. If I walked for more than half a minute, I'd start spasming, constant panic attacks, couldn't draw a deep breath, and wasting away. <laughs> and what he said is, you don't lack anything, and look for the green meadows. Look for the quiet waters. And I started singing that psalm over and over and over and over and started to see them. It was awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thanks.